Welcome to Gratitude Space Radio. I'm your host, Chris Palmore, founder of GratitudeSpace.com. My sincere thanks for listening, subscribing, and rating this podcast. Well, Todd, uh, welcome to Gratitude Space Radio. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, finally be talking with you. And um, if you could just share a little bit about yourself and also uh, then we'll segue into your book. Sure. I'm based in New York City, although I'm coming to you from Fairfield, Connecticut because of the pandemic. Um, and I'm the CEO of, and co-founder of a company called Big Blue Gumball. Uh, we're based in, um, again, based in Manhattan. We do management, leadership, training, consulting, and coaching. I'm also an adjunct professor at, at NYU and Columbia, where I teach leadership in a variety of different graduate programs. And I'm a TEDx speaker. My TEDx talk, The Power of Visual Thinking, came out last year. And my brand new book just came out three months ago. It's called Visual Leadership, Leveraging the Power of Visual Thinking in Leadership and in Life. So everything I do tends to be around leadership, communication, and visual thinking. That's beautiful. And uh, we obviously uh, connected through the uh, Gate Group, and uh, they're a lot about they're all about leadership and giving and uh creation so uh what a great group to be and i want to thank michael for setting that up and yeah michael roderick he, he is a visual leader for sure and he definitely i call him a mom m-o-m master of metaphor every one of his blog <laughs> posts has a, a tremendous terrific metaphor and story so we'll talk a little bit today about use of metaphor storytelling etc to get our ideas out there into the world that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Well, can we start? Uh, we'll just take a couple minutes and start in gratitude here. Quite simply, what are three things that come to your mind just in this moment that you're grateful for? Um, so, so many things. I mean, if I had to pick three things, again, right now the pandemic is influencing all of our lives. So first of all, just grateful to be healthy. Um, is, uh, I know a lot of, you know, there's some people in some parts of the country who are like not really personally affected. And luckily I've had no one who was seriously sick, but I know many people who got it, who, who had COVID and are still struggling with the after effects. So just to have been socially distanced and, and luck, it's the luck of the draw, right? It was just when, especially when it first came out, um, so just gratitude for, for my health and my wife's health and my mother who's 80 something and my mother-in-law who's 90. Um, the fact that we're all healthy, even though I haven't been able to see either of them in person in a while. Um, so that's, that's the main thing. So um, also, we were lucky to um, be able to get out of New York City, especially during when it was in the war zone. I was just saying it went from a war zone to now a ghost town, has not come back yet. Hopefully, New York City will bounce back. But I'm um, just um, grateful for the fact that we were able to find an escape from New York and kind of live our lives. And, um, and again, my book just came out a few months ago, and I had a, all my events were canceled, my book launch, my keynote addresses, my... Uh, so, grateful that through Zoom, if it wasn't for Zoom, I don't know what any of us would be doing. So let's have to give a grateful shout out to Zoom for keeping us connected to the outside world. Because what's interesting is if the pandemic hadn't happened, I would have met a lot of people in person, but being online has expanded my global reach. I've done podcasts with people in Melbourne, Australia, Sydney. Uh, I did a webinar in Singapore recently, um, London, number of things with London. So just having being able to still function and connect with great people like yourself and people in the gate group and other communities is uh, something I'm grateful for. That's wonderful, man. And then uh, I, I've got kind of a gratitude thought experiment here. So we're, it's, it's a really easy one. Basically, I'm going to ask you a question and I just want you to give me the one name answer and then I'm going to ask you the question again. So when I say somebody in your life you're grateful for, who's the first person that pops to mind? My wife, Karen. 
Okay, so we say it again. Who's somebody in your life you're grateful for and pops in mind after Karen? Next. After, after Karen, I would say my mother. Okay, and then one last time. So somebody pops in your head you're grateful for. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, again, so many people. I would say Mr. Patterson, my high school English teacher, because he is someone who, um, in fact, I mentioned him in the acknowledgments, and I graduated from high school. I hate to give away how old I am, but uh, uh, I graduated 40 years ago, 4-0, and uh, we just re I just reconnected with him. I sent him a copy of my book, signed copy, and said this would not have happened without you because he really changed my life uh, way back and I was a teenager. And um, so he is someone that, that I thank all the time, even if not to him uh, in the back of my mind, he pops into my head all the time. Wow, Mr. Patterson, you said. Yes. And what, what, uh, what, uh, what, what, do you, what class did he teach? He taught English. I was an English literature major okay. in college. And uh, one of the reasons I became that was because of him. Um, I'm an even though I talk fast and loud because I'm from New York, I am an extreme introvert. I would say three Bs. I'm a bookworm. I'm a behind the scenes and the back of the room kind of guy. So I've never envisioned being in front of people, which I do now. I teach. I, I do, you know, I'm a public speaker. But Mr. Patterson saw in me this, the seed of someone who had potential and he kind of plucked me out and gave me some special attention that helped me to um, become the person I, I became. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say is uh, he got me interested in Shakespeare and poetry. And my claim to fame was in, in high school was that I read the complete works of Shakespeare by the time I was 18 before I graduated. So um, I just got hooked on, you know, hooked on Shakespeare as opposed to hooked on drugs or cigarettes or <laughs> other things that people, kids get hooked on in, in high school, got hooked on Shakespeare. And I just started with uh, Romeo and Juliet. I didn't really understand what I was reading. Julius Caesar got me hooked and I just read Hamlet and kept going. That's beautiful. I, I like, I, I love you. You know, you mentioned your wife and your mom. And the reason I like that thought experiment is because most people, I, I wanted to, you to go a little, you know what I mean? I, wanted, I didn't want it to be your go-to. And obviously yeah. the great thing is you said their name. So they're right there. And it's obviously not even about order. It's just about who pops in your head. Yeah, and that was, yeah. uh, that was, was a good. wonderful. It, it kind of forced wonderful. me down that path. So I also would have said, I, I decided, <laughs> I edited myself last second. My mm -hmm. book is dedicated first to my mother, my wife, secondly to my parents, and thirdly to all the horrible bosses I've had in my life. And I mentioned that before. So I didn't want to say, yes, I'm appreciative for the horrible bosses. But also without those horrible bosses, I never would have probably written this book. So in a way, I need to give them a shout out. Uh, totally. And that's, uh, I definitely, I, I, I love when you wrote me about that and told me about, you know, the horrible bosses, I completely get that. And I think a lot of people miss, they unfortunately miss so many opportunities for growth and love because they just take things as bad and they don't take yeah. them as lessons learned or I'm being taught something. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're it, going through it, it's not that easy, right? It's painful. Right. It's humiliating. It's just stressful. And it's just, uh, you know, I, I, and it wasn't just one, it was multiple. Right. A lot because I worked in the entertainment industry. And a lot of it's just part of that, the, the culture of that industry. But yeah, at the time, it's not fun. But in retrospect, um, if you can learn from bad experiences and grow from them, then you could put that positive spin on it. It's wonderful. So how, let me ask you about the book process here. How long did you work on it? And what sparked, what's initially sparked you going, I gotta, I've got to do this visual leadership book, right? You know, yeah. where, where'd that come from? Yeah. Well, someone that I, you just remind me, there's a quote uh, that I don't know if it actually happened, but someone said to Abraham Lincoln, how long did it take you to write the Gettysburg Address, which was under three minutes? He said, my entire <laughs> life. Right? right. So that's kind of my answer to my, my book. It's like my book is filled with life stories. So it really did take me my entire life. But in terms of actually, um, I started 
accumulating content about 10 years ago and um, I would get ideas, I jot them down in a journal or I started blogging and that type of thing. So, but from that point, um, it really, it was, it was a year of working on, literally a year from when I got my book deal to having a deadline, it was about a year, but that's because I had about 10 years worth of content piled up. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. Well, can you, do you mind sharing uh, a couple of the stories from the book, uh, you know, as examples that you give? Sure, sure. Well, so basically visual leadership, the title is visual leadership. It's a single word with a single joined L. So it links the word and I actually got the trademark on the word. So it's actually oh. a, a patented trademark word. Nice. Um, so I went through that. It was rejected twice by the US Patent Office. But the third time my patent attorney submitted it, we got approved. So so that's kind of cool because originally yeah. um, they said, oh, visual and leadership. What's special about that? But then when they learn more about the concept, they're like, all right, that is something unique. So the idea behind visual leadership is that as a leader, how you lead is totally dependent on the lens through which you see the world, right? Your vision of the world, how you see it, how you see people, how you see your role in it influences and impacts how you lead. Secondly, we always talk about when we talk about leadership, what is your vision, right? As a leader, you have a leadership vision. We refer to certain people as vis uh, leadership visionaries, like a Martin Luther King Jr. or a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk, right? So it's about having a picture in your mind's eye, and mind's eye, by the way, comes from Shakespeare's Hamlet. So again, <laughs> weaving that thread uh, from high school and Mr. Patterson. Um, but it's about how do you get your vision? How do you make your vision a reality? Like you had a, before you started doing this podcast, you had a picture in your mind's eye of, oh, should I do a podcast? Right? You visualize what it would look like, sound like, be like. We all do that, right? So um, it's about how do you make your vision a reality? And that's what the book's about. And it's all, and I separate it into three um, different sections. One is on using visual models, one is on using metaphor, and one is on storytelling. So those are just the categories that I put things in. And um, again, tons of, tons of different stories, but um, here's, here's one just popped into my head. So there's a lot of them. This one tends to be one of the more popular ones. The people who have read the book, when I, I ask everyone, what are the top three stories that resonate with you? Just like you asked me about the top three uh, um, people who in, uh, influenced me. Um, and this is one of the top ones. So one was called how my cardiologist almost gave me a, a heart, heart attack, right? So basically I'm in my cardiologist's office. I'm going through all the tests that everyone goes through after 50, right? No, no problems, just routine tests. And he comes back and gives me my results. And he says, based on your results, you have a 5% chance of having, having a heart attack within the next 10 years. And I almost, my knees started shaking. I almost thought I was going to pa pass out because I thought that was like a death sentence. And then it hit me. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Does that mean there's a 95% chance that I won't have a heart attack within the next 10 yeah. years? He's like, yeah, that's another way of looking at it. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It's like, you literally almost made me pass out. Um, so when we're communicating ideas, we need to look at it through the lens of the other person, right? How receive this information? How will they process it? I don't know statistically what those odds are. Are they good or bad? We don't know, right? Um, so you need, we need so many people when they're presenting, just throw numbers out there, right? Numbers are meaningless outside of the context. Numbers have no meaning outside of the story they tell. So we really need to start with what's the story I want to tell? What's the message I want to deliver? And how will the numbers help to support that or back that up? So that story just resonates with people. One, because people are it resonates with people just because they can actually picture being in my shoes and, and um, which is a metaphor, by the way, not literally in my <laughs> shoes. I wear a size 14. So not everyone, oh, wow. my shoes won't, won't fit everyone. Um, but anyway, that's one of the stories. So that story. Um, so what do you take from that? Like just, just curiosity, like you heard that story. Um, I just told it visually just through words without pictures. What's, what are you thinking right now? Uh, it made me think that the doctor's got a really negative uh, 
personality. <laughs> it said it did. It said a lot about the doctor in very few words. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, his bedside manner. Uh, just he doesn't understand people. Obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, what's interesting that was a very astute observation because he was actually a young cardiologist, pretty new, and he was filling in for my regular doctor. So he was probably. I got this. That's the, he was trying to show his power and his knowledge by by kind of doing it. It was almost manipulative, but it wasn't like. It wasn't patient-centered or customer-centered. It was all about him, right? About how smart he. It was almost like, yeah, that, that's a great observation. Is that yeah? He he needed a little more uh, social intelligence and emotional intelligence. He may have had the book smarts of what it took to be a a heart doctor, but he didn't have the people skills to communicate a message in a way that was most productive to the listener. Yeah, it, it also, to me, speaks to uh, just different fields about when they're going to do numbers and they're talking to humans, how they could, they should rephrase it, in, like you said, and say, you, you, you have a 95% chance of not having a heart attack in the next 10 yeah, years. Yeah, that's great. Which, dude, is the exact right? same, which is the exact same thing, just told the right, you know, turned the way that, that you were, in a positive, you know, you're just, yeah. it is a positive thing either way, but you don't have to flip it in your mind then. You, they give exactly. it to you as a gift. They say it correctly. They yeah. speak to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, they say, you know, in the, in the English language, the four worst words to hear or among them are we need to talk, right? It's very rare that we need to talk leads to something great, right? So we need to talk sounds like, uh-oh, we have a problem, right? So like years ago, early in my career, one of my bosses, one of my, he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great. But he actually stopped by my desk at a time where there was a lot of dysfunction and rumors of layoffs. He stopped by my desk at 10 in the morning and said, Todd, we need to talk. Can you come to my office this afternoon at four? Now, if you were me, what would you be thinking, considering that environment, right? I'm getting laid off. So I spent yeah. the rest of the day copying files and backing stuff up and clearing out my desk. And it turned out he was laying off another one of my colleagues, and he wanted me to take on some of that workload, one of his projects. So that's all he had to say, right? was, hey, Todd, right. can we talk later? I have a new project for you, right? right? Right there, that's a different message than we need to talk. Can you come to my office at 4 o'clock today? So again, that's just, again... He was doing it for power and control or just thoughtlessness. But we really need to think when we're communicating, how is this going to be received by the other person? Right, because that's just a little bit more information. And then, I mean, it's more beneficial for both of you. He gets you to continue working and feeling good. And he gets, you know. Uh, right, <laughs> right, right. We need to really think about, I was talking about I and I, impact and influence. We really need to think about the impact of our words and actions on other people. And also, you know, how are we influencing them? People, what we do and how we do it is influencing how people are going to do it. So whether you're a parent or a boss, you know, people, you're seen as a role model and people are going to, that's why so many bosses, people become horrible bosses because they've had horrible bosses, right? They think, oh, now it's my, fact, my boss at, I won't say which TV network I was working on at the time because I don't want to reveal it, but it had a C, a B, and an S in its name uh, <laughs> when I lived in LA. And uh, I went to my boss because we always had an adversarial relationship. It was very challenging and difficult and stressful. And I once went into her office. I got the courage to do this and talk to her. And instead of saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, let's figure out a way to work together. She basically said, when I had your job, I was treated like crap. And now mm -hmm. it's your turn. And if you don't like it, I can replace you tomorrow. So it's like, you know, it's like you either repeat that cycle or you say, or, or knowing what it's like to be treated that way, you would say, I would never do that to someone else, right? You would say, this is my chance to, to break that cycle of horrible bosses and be more human. And uh, that's one of the things I talk about in my NYU class, putting the humanity back into human resources because I teach in the leadership in the human resources program.
Yeah, I love, I love that story. It reminds me of, uh, you know, it's, it's all about perspective and the fact that we have choices uh, that you get to choose what something means to you. It's, there's a really, you know, the real simplistic, and I think this really ties, this idea really ties into gratitude because yeah. when you started saying that it, it completely triggered the story, it's a very simplistic story. We have two brothers that have an alcoholic father and one grows up basically to be very successful and the other one grows up to be an alcoholic. So one day the doctor comes to the successful man's house and he looks around and he's like, it's like, wow, you know, everyone likes, you know, you're a very likable person, you have a beautiful home, beautiful wife. What, what's your secret? You know, what, what, what's your secret? How this happened? And he goes, doctor, he said, you knew my father. And then he goes, you know, to the, to the alcoholics, uh, you know, house where it's all run down and a mess and the, you know, water, you know, this, that. And he goes, man, what are you doing here? What, how did this happen? The guy goes, well, you know, my father, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, yeah, it's like, what other choice did I have? And yet they yeah. make completely different choices. Yeah, exactly. Because right? it gets, yeah, one decided I'm going to, I'm like, and you're saying the ball, one boss said, I, I'm the whipping boy. Now you're going to be the whipping boy. Yeah, yeah. Where another boss could go, I was the whipping boy. I would never make somebody the whipping boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that relates to gratitude because it's like, you know, you could be grateful for, being treated well, but you could also be grateful for the lessons you learned from that. So um, like my dream growing up was to work in the TV industry. In my TED talk, I talk about that. My dream was really to be Superman and my backup plan was to be Batman. But yeah. uh, if neither of those worked out, um, got working in some way in the TV industry. So I did, a, you know, I, I got my master's degree in communication. I got a job in advertising. Then I packed my bags in New York, moved out to LA and I figured I'll be out, give out Hollywood a shot. Number of temp jobs, part-time jobs. I was a bouncer in a club at night. Um, so which for an extreme introvert was definitely pushing myself well beyond my comfort zone. But, um, again, all those jobs I had, when I had a bad experiences, I was grateful for the, the chance and what I learned from it. Right. So even if it's difficult, painful, or even a failure, I spoke at a conference last year in upstate New York, the whole theme of the four day conference was learning through failure. It was all about sharing failure stories and lessons learned and biggest mistakes made in order to do that you have to create a climate of psychological safety where people feel comfortable revealing and being vulnerable in front of other people some who you know others who you don't but you know just grateful for the opportunity to try something and even if you fail to learn from it right so i think that's where the gratitude thing comes in it's like the fact that someone gave you a chance or gave you a shot and things don't always work out but if you're grateful for the opportunity and you learned from it then you benefited yeah, totally. There's a, do you know, uh, Rajesh Sethi? Yes. Sethi, that's, I don't okay. know him personally, but I know who he is. Okay. So. Well, he has a book on gratitude and he did a mind Valley talk and it's a really, if you haven't seen that, I should definitely share it with you. But okay. he, in his book, which I really love eating the mind, the mind Valley talk, he's like, okay, if you could just set your mind in motion to think that only two things are going on here, either I'm being given a gift or I'm being taught a lesson. Mm. You know, uh, and then obviously the lesson becomes a gift later. But if you could somehow put in everything that's happening is in these two buckets, you, you're allowed to free flow into that, what you're talking about, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a great way to frame it. It's similar to uh, Nelson Mandela's quote. He said, I, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Right, right. exactly. So it's a similar kind of thing. I would also, I always modify that. And I mentioned in my book, in the quotes section, that you should learn even when you do win, right? Because sometimes we win, but if we don't learn from it, you may not be able to repeat it, or it may have been luck, or it may have been something that you, that you won despite something instead of because of something. So it's always good. I'm very big on, I, I always use the words reflection, introspection, and connection. Reflection is about looking backward to see how, you know, how did where I was before lead up to this. Introspection is looking inward to see 
you know, your thoughts, your feelings, and basically just to meditate on something and, and do some introspective thinking. And then connection is how does this connect to other things, to other people, to other things in my life? We, there's a saying that we, don't, we can't connect the dots going forward, but we can connect them looking backward, right? So it's like, how did everything I do, like career, so we talk about you know, having a career path, I say it's not a path, it's more of a career roller coaster, right? It's ups and downs, twists and turns, exhilarating highs and terrifying plummets, right? So it is not like a walk in the park along a self-laid out, you know, a path that was laid out for us. It really is a ride, but again, it's what we learn from it and being grateful for the opportunity to learn and to grow. Yeah, you know, connecting those dots, that's a, it's, it's, it falls right in line. I, what I call is, I call it gratitude cubed. So basically, you can do this with things or people or even, you know, situations when you're looking back, when you start to, so if, you were, and if you're in a moment where you appreciate where you are, obviously, if you're not in a appreci moment appreciation, it doesn't work at all. Right, right. But you, at that point, you can start tracing things that have happened in your life that had to happen so that you'd end up right where you are. Yeah. And when you start doing that memory lap in your mind, and I do it all the time because I talk about this, yeah. you get excited and, and life starts to feel magical yeah. because you realize that I'm only, for example, I mean, you know, for both of us to be here talking to each other, a lot of things had to happen. Yeah. I mean, true. absolutely. A lot of things, a lot of connections. Uh, we, yeah. You and I would never, I mean, all these things happen and then we would never know each other wasn't for the gay community. If I hadn't, you know, for, for, for example, when I think that we're here talking, right? And I love this. Uh -huh. It's awesome. Um, I decided, you know, two months ago that I was going to uh, listen to an episode of Cal Fussman's uh, podcast because I saw it said gratitude and it was Chris Shimbra. So I go for a jog and I hear the podcast and I go, oh, I got to talk to this guy. Mm. So I end up talking to him and I get in this Zoom dinner thing, which is great. And then I do it a second time. The gay community is there. And then I join the gay community. So that's and then here we are. So there's. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's our little, but everything had to happen up to that. Obviously I had to be in the gratitude that my mom had to pass away, you know, all, but it's, it's exciting when you think about if you appreciate what's happening in the moment, yeah, yeah. you can, can make the connections and it'll just make you, it, it feels good. Yeah. One of the things I do visually thinking is I create mind maps with a lot of things. So it's like, if we overlay our two mind maps, yours and mine, we could find that, you know, the point of connection is Michael Roderick and the gate group. Right. right. So I think back, how did I meet Michael Roderick? I was introduced to him by this guy, Mark, um, who I met, who is the boyfriend of a client. So she said, oh, you should meet my, 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 friend, my uh, boyfriend, Mark, because uh, he's a big baseball. He's a big Yankee fan, right? We met for lunch. He knew Michael Roderick. He said, oh, you should meet this guy, Mike Roderick. And that, that was probably uh, 10 years ago, right? And then, then all of a sudden, you know, Mike Roderick comes back up. We've stayed in touch over the years. I've read his blog post and he creates the gate group and that's where we met, right? So that's a perfect example of, and where did I meet that client? Um, my brother's <laughs> friend who he worked with at the previous job was working for this company and she introduced us to this woman in HR, Camille. So it's like, you, it's interesting. How did I meet my brother? Through my mother, right? So it's like, right, you can take yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You can take <laughs> it back to birth. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> How did I right. meet my mother? I was yeah. born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so no. it really is. It's like the idea of six degrees of separation. It's like, it's always fascinating to me. It's like, how are you connected to people? You know, famous people, but also just people you meet. And it's interesting just to trace our past. Um, true story about my, how I met my wife. Um, basically we met, uh, back in 2002 and we met on, um, on a, uh, a dating site. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on the name, but, uh, um, match.com. Oh, okay. it's so long ago. My head is, uh, my head is on overload, <laughs> but basically we met on match.com and, uh, she lived on my block in New York city, literally next door wow. to me. 
I'm not wow. exaggerating. I'm not, I'm not saying kind of next door. I mean, literally, our buildings literally. were side by side on 88th <laughs> Street between Broadway and Amsterdam on the Upper West Side of New York. Seven years on the same block, literally never saw each other. And then I would go to Match.com because I had broken up and, and I, was, I was free and available. She was only on Match.com because her friend was writing us an article on dating in New York and put my wife's profile up there just as an experiment wow. and had her go on dates. Just My wife wasn't really looking to meet anyone, but she was doing it just kind of as a, to help her Favor. friend out yeah. as, a, as kind of, and to provide the stories, mostly like horrible stories, bad date stories. But my wife's the subscription to match.com was just about to expire at the end of that week. So the timing of that, you know, if I hadn't seen her picture, if she, again, so all of the things that, that, you know, and yet, and here we are together since uh, you know it's 18 years later. So, um, wow. so you just never know chance stories, and uh, it's crazy. I I love that. I love so many things about that. I really loved you sharing that. That's exactly what I when I'm talking about gratitude cube and appreciating your life and who you're with. Like that yeah. was, geez. I mean, wow. I mean, think about that. You go, well, I'm so happy there was online dating, right? Without Ash.com, right. you're sitting there seven years never meeting each other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What if her friend wasn't doing an article on it? All yeah. those all these little things. And then here you are 18 years later. Yeah. It really is like a movie plot or chance things. Or sometimes you say, Oh, that wouldn't happen in real life. But that story was just, you know, that's a true story. And my wife and I say that every day to each other, almost not every day, but very often, you know, here you, we are in this pandemic where you're pretty much isolated and kind of quarantined. If we didn't really love each other's company and enjoy each other, it's like you can, Think, I think about all the women that I dated before being my wife who were attractive, who were fun, who were this, who were that. But if I had to be locked in a room with them for six months during a pandemic, I would have been driven insane. So I'm so grateful for the fact that uh, even after all these 18 years, we never get tired of being together. We, we laugh. We have so much in common. So just, you know, very grateful for that. That's beautiful. You know, and I, I feel I, I want to really short, shortly tell you because I, I have a very similar story. So I'm at this moment right now, my fiance is in Bogota, Colombia at the embassy uh, for her K-1 visa the, oh, wow. the, wow. right at this moment. But well, I'm telling you that because how we met was I was in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and I decided to move there for a little while. She, her grandfather died. And, and in a last minute thing, she decided she wanted to take a little vacation. So she flies into Playa del Carmen, Mexico. We match on Tinder and the next day we meet. Wow. Wow. <laughs> And here well, we are. Talk about a chance thing. That's amazing. right, right. Two separate countries, different people, different worlds. And uh, four yeah. years later, on the 28th, so eight days from now, we would be when we met. And wow. uh, and she's at the embassy right now. So well, again, those well, little those little things, you know. Yeah. Well, hopefully things will work out that you guys could be together sometime soon. That's, uh, that's yeah. Cool. It's yeah. I'm excited. I'm sure that it's going to be okay. And then it's really about they don't they're not allowing international travel right now. So it's if mm -hmm. you can get on like a humanitarian flight. That's what I'm yeah. hoping they're allowing that for people with visas because at that point she can she's technically going to be, you know, American. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's just, you know, life is, you know, I'm not one of those, everything happens for a reason, people, but things happen and we can act in the moment. It's like luck is where, you know, opportunity and preparation meet, right. That's the saying. So if you're not prepared to meet someone, if you're not in that mindset, you may meet, but you may not connect. Right. So you need to be open, whether it's a new job or, you know, the, there were jobs that I applied for and got that I thought were my dream job and ended up being a nightmare. The dream became a nightmare. And other jobs that were kind of thrown, like just put out there, like, all right, I need a job, I'll take it, or I'll go in with it, but this probably won't work out, or I'll take it for now until something better comes along. And they ended up being jobs that cha you know, changed my career and my life, right? So.
based on what I did and who I met. So yeah, it's all life is all choices that we make. And again, what we learn from it. And, and again, it's a stepping stone in our career journey. I love them. I always use the metaphor of the journey because you could say, all right, is this a destination thing or is this a journey? And if you don't enjoy the journey along the way and are grateful along the way, and you keep waiting for, there's a classic story about that, right? I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when this happens, when I make this much money or when I achieve this milestone. And it's like, if you're not happy in the moment, each step of the way, and we're not gonna be happy every day, but if you, like they say, if you're optimistic and grateful, grateful and hopeful, you know, the, the journey is a lot more pleasurable and fun and, and, and gratifying. For sure. I love that. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. Uh, I, I was reading, uh, you know, there's, if you, I've got a new kind of question I've been asking people. So if you um, had to describe gratitude and what great being grateful is to like a 10 year old, mm -hmm. what would you say? Or what would you, how would you, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's being, it's being thankful and appreciative. I think that's what it is. It's like, if you, you know, one of the, biggest distinctions to me between people who are grateful and happy and those who aren't. And it took me a long time to learn this or figure this out is that it's about expectations. It's about most people are unhappy or frustrated due to unfulfilled expectations. Like you expected more or better or bigger or, you know, whatever, and you're never satisfied. Right. As opposed to if you flip it, and it's not like, Oh, you know, you know, you should be happy just because you have a job. You should be happy just because you have a roof over your head. But it really is about appreciating the small things. And I, we have a refrigerator magnet that says, appreciate the small things because someday you're going to look back and realize those were the big things. And I love that because it's just, again, those little things in life, the small, you know, just to be able to, if you look at everything you have in your life, whether it's, you know, just having an iPhone or whatever, being able to, without that, you wouldn't be connected to the world or, um, being able to have zoom and and so without in fact a real life example of this i don't know when this will air but we just had a hurricane here on the east coast a couple of weeks ago right and we lost our power and we lost our wi-fi and you take it for granted until you don't have it anymore right you literally we got right. disconnected so we lost hundreds of dollars of food in the refrigerator we were disconnected from the outside world um and uh no air conditioning and you know 90 plus degree weather and no wi-fi connectivity you know, I had, so, so like little things like, um, for those familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that's like, yeah. the so there's a new version of it, like even more important than like food, clothing and shelter is Wi-Fi and battery. Because without that, <laughs> you're pretty much screwed. So, um, but I think that's the key is like, I think it's shifting your mindset and reframing things in a more positive way. Um, and it's hard when you're dealing with, you know, serious life and death issues and everything. But I think that's the key on a, you know, a normal daily basis is just to be thankful for what you have while growing and aspiring for more and better is totally fine, but not because I know people who have a lot and they're miserable, right? They're just right. not happy because they wanted the bigger car or the better job or they didn't get that bonus. The bonus was only 10% and not 15%. So it's like you could constantly be miserable and disappointed, um, but you could also eliminate that if you just reframe your expectations. Right, right. You know, uh, I was reading this morning and I, I had something that came up I really loved was it's basically like, you know, you, you, we all know that money can't buy happiness, but if you spend that money on the right things, it can make you happy. Yeah. yeah so, you know, if that's if the gifts given to charity or whatever, whatever that means to the individual. But I like I really loved how the coin of phrase of changing that to it depends what your intention is with yeah. the money, then it does allow you can bring you a lot of joy. Yeah, yeah. A lot of what we're talking about is the visual metaphor of framing and reframing, right? If you right. put in like we have a, my wife found a painting that we, we like, but we didn't love. 
And we realized it was because we didn't like the frame. She got a different matting and frame, and now we love this picture, right? So it's like, right. we kinda, it's okay, now we really like it. So if you could take something but put a new frame around it, you could love the thing that you only liked or like the thing that you didn't just by changing, you know, literally the frame of a picture, but metaphorically how you frame something in your own mind. Right, right. That's, again, because we get to choose. It's, it's all our choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and being conscious of that, so... That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what, what, your, your wife is an actress, is that what you were saying earlier? She was an actress for years. Mm -hmm. She went to um, NYU for acting and then mm -hmm. became a uh, off-Broadway theater producer and, uh, she, while still acting. And then she kind of trans, um, uh, transformed into a casting director. So she does casting for independent films. And uh, yeah, so we're around. My, my college roommate, one of my best friends, he's one of the top casting directors in Hollywood. So he does a lot of the CBS hit shows. So I, I'm around actors in the theater business. And I worked in the TV industry for a number of years. So I'm still connected to that, although I'm not working specifically in it. But yeah, that's what my wife does. And you know, for her, her gratitude comes from opportunities to discover new talent. You know, you find this kid on the stage or you, this audition, someone who's never done something before and you put them in a role that allows them to blossom. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that, um, so even though she never became, she never really wanted to be a star, she just wanted to be a working actress. But mm -hmm. um, interestingly, uh, she's not listening right now, so she won't okay. know this, because she doesn't like talking about it, but she was reading with one of the actors and the casting, the, as the casting director, um, and the producer and director and writer said to her, are you also an actress? And she usually doesn't like talk about it because she likes to keep mm -hmm. them separate. And they said, yes. And they ended up casting her in the movie. So she shot it like a five minute scene in this movie. So it hasn't come out yet. It'll be out uh, hopefully in the fall or the spring, but that's the kind of thing you put yourself in a position, an opportunity, and you never know what could happen. And that, that just happened to her. So it's a Ben Stiller movie that will be coming out sometime. It doesn't oh. star him, but he has a, he has a, mm -hmm. um, a, a role in it so uh, yeah so we're looking forward to seeing her up on she's done some background stuff over the years but she never had a role like this where she's in a five right. minute scene so uh, it's supposed to be a really funny scene so i look forward to seeing that when it comes out that's awesome man um you know there's a, uh, another quite question i want to ask you it's kind of a new type of segment thing um it's it's called stories of kindness and gratitude so Obviously, you've got a lot of book stories in your book, but if you could think of just one, you know, obviously you shared a great one about your teacher, but if you could think of one uh, story of kindness you'd like to share with us, some, somebody did something for you or mm. to you or, yeah. you know. Well, one of them, uh, years ago, after 9-11, I was out of work and I wasn't, that was a period where like everything was really unstable and unsure and I wasn't working. And, and so I, I took a, course in public speaking again i was i was at that as of that time i had never spoke publicly in my life i was shy i was introverted i was um but i needed something to develop my skills boost my confidence so i got a free flyer in the mail attend a one hour free session of our public speaking uh course so i took it and i met this guy and he kind of encouraged me to take this course and after meeting with him he said you know what um I see a lot of potential in you. I'm, I'm going to let you take this course, this 12 session program, and we're not going to charge you for it if you agree afterwards to become a coach and coach the next group. So here, so, cause I said, I don't have any money. I literally, I'm out of work. It's, it's the job market's mm -hmm. bad. So he, this guy, Joe Armentano, uh, now one of my closest friends, but he gave me an opportunity um, cause he saw something in me just like Mr. Patterson, my English teacher did. And so I took the program and helped me boost my confidence and my skills. I became a class coach for the next group again at no charge. And then he had me certified as an instructor. 
So I actually started teaching, not the public speaking course, but he knew I had a background in leadership. He had me trained as a leadership uh, trainer um, for their seven session leadership program. And I did, had to do that one for free as a payback for the training. And that launched my whole career into doing management leadership training. And one of the things he said to me, I was doing a training once and he would come and he would sit in. And afterwards when we were debriefing, first of all, one, I would always want feedback and say, all right, how did I do? And he would turn around and say, how do you think you did? Right? So just that, that taught me one of the tricks of feedback. Um, and he would never say, here's 20 things you need to do differently or better. He would always say, here's one. Like if you just do this one thing and then do it. So I picked up a lot of tools, tips, and techniques from him. But one of the things he said to me is like, you know the content inside and out. You're a subject matter expert in leadership, but it's almost as if there's a glass partition between you and the participants. You're not connecting with them. They're asking a question, you're answering, and you're moving on to the next thing. You're not really. He said, what you need to do is break down that glass that separates you from and, and kind of step out and connect with the people, right? Mm -hmm. You know the material, connect with the people. And that changed my, the way I teach. You know, again, I teach at NYU in Columbia. I do corporate training. And that, that one thing. So here's, you know, this guy who just went to this thing just because he was looking for something to do. And it basically launched my whole career after that. And I'm, I, in my, he's one of the people I single out or focus on in the acknowledgments of my book. And he knows this. I tell him all the time. And, um, but he, realized, he really changed the course of a person's career um, through his feedback and his mentorship and everything else. Wow, that was wonderful. I'm really glad I asked you that question. Huh. Yeah, what yeah, sounds I, like, I mean, geez, that's, uh, I mean, there's so much beautiful things there. And uh, I mean, there's people that do, you know, I've had a couple of people like that in my life too. And they just, uh, it's, they made all the difference because they saw you and they gave you a little bit of, gave you that attention and they believed in you and here you are. And, and that goes back, we were talking about connections. You go back, you think, like you said, you're here. Mm -hmm. Specifically, we're talking right now because of him. He's another major key component to you, this, you know, your book you have out and yeah. the fact yeah. we're talking on this podcast and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like that led to my training career. My training career led to my teaching. My teaching led to my TEDx. My TEDx led to my book. So it's like, yeah, it's like this whole chain. That's like, you can identify that one. I could picture that one moment that when we met and that, but you wouldn't have known in that moment that any of this would happen. Right. So you, you literally never know. That's why I always say to my students, you know, put yourself out there. Like, it's just like, again, you never know who that one meeting, that one similar thing. It's like, there's so many times because I'm not a big social butterfly. Like I force myself to go to a networking event or even to jump on a Zoom call. It's like, I'm exhausted. I have Zoom fatigue or I'm tired. I, I went to this, I took this one workshop that I did not like at all. But I met, I was paired up in the breakout room with this one woman and we got to be great friends. She's in San Francisco. I'm in New York. And now we've helped each other. We've given each other referrals. We ended up on podcasts because of each other. I just wrote her a blurb for her, her booklets coming out. It's like, so that event overall was like 95% not great, but that one meeting with this one person, I have a new friend, colleague, and, and you know, so again, you just never know. That's why you got to just kind of put yourself out there and, uh, and appreciate those little things, those little meetings or whatever. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I'm feeling that more and more recently, just, uh, I just want to have conversations, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not even about, it's not because I expect the world's going to change or anything. I just, I'm just curious, you know, I'm just cu curiosity, right? It's all yeah. about curiosity. Yeah. It's like, all you gotta do is be curious and show up yeah. and then 
sometimes magic happens sometimes it doesn't but if you don't play you don't you can't win exactly exactly <laughs> you gotta be in it to win it as they used to say with the new york lottery but yeah it's true it's like the, the conversations and the relationship should be an end in themselves not a means to an end and if it leads to something i'm a big fan of the work of adam grant out of wharton and his book give and take and it's like some people are takers everyone's like help me do this can you do this for me there's certain people who only reach out when they want something there's other people who are givers and i try to be in that category of generosity it's like i just put stuff out there if it comes around great if it doesn't that's fine too and there's other people like if you do this for me i'll do this for you or you i owe you one it's like there's no owe you one it's like you do it for me pay it forward do it for someone else and you know i say that to my students my clients my friends and it's like yeah it's just being part of the fabric of society and, and being part of communities and and going in with a spirit of generosity and and being that's one of the things the gng term i use in, in one of the chapters of my book is being genuine and generous right so being genuine don't try to be fake something, you know, to your own horn, pretend, you know, you're something, be authentic and genuine um, and down to earth. And generous is be offered, a, if you ever see an opportunity to do something for someone, just do it. If it doesn't cost you that much, take you that long, just do it. And again, if it comes around, great. If it doesn't, it's just a nice thing to do. Yeah, man, that's, that's true. I, I love that. Yeah, that's so true. That's so just uh, be genuine. I like, I like your G and D. That's good. That's a nice, that's a, that's a nice phrase yeah. to remember. Yeah, the chapter of my book that's in is the chapter that's called, it's better to be interested than interesting. And this is kind of, um, so long story short, I was at a new year's Eve party last year talking to some actor guy in the kitchen of, at this party. And he's talking to myself and my wife and he's like, yeah, I'm not, my career. And I I'm, I'm perfect for all these roles, but I'm not getting callbacks and this and that. And he just, he talked about himself for like 10 minutes. Never once asked me what I did. And he said, I wish I could meet this one casting director who does all these shows and blah, blah, blah. Well, if he had talked to my wife and said, oh, what do you do? He would have found out that she was a casting She's a director. Casting director. <laughs> and if he had asked me, what do I do? And blah, blah, blah. I would have said, oh, that guy that you wanted to meet, that was my college roommate. We just had dinner with him earlier tonight. And but yet this guy never once asked, right? What do we do or who we were? He was just on this monologue of look how great I am. And yet the world's against me. So it's like, I love that story because it's like, it was right there. And he never even thought about anyone by himself. Right. Wow. That was a fantastic story. <laughs> Todd. No, I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. That was so great. Yeah. What a, I mean, that's real. And you just, it hits all the points. If he just would have been, he just would have simplistically shut up for a second. And just, yeah, just said, Hey, who are you just, guys? Yeah, yeah. Who are you guys? Why are you guys here? So just whatever engaged you opposed to yeah. Yeah. Uh, tooting his own horn the whole time. I mean, geez. Yeah. Wow. Now we could have voluntarily offered to that information, but we're so tired of people who are just users and just right. like, and it's just like, we were almost like testing, where's this going to go? And my wife and I looked at each other and I'm like, fine. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I had a, I had a really interesting conversation uh, about four weeks ago. Uh, it's, it's the reverse of what you're saying. I was just engaging with somebody about gratitude and I was talking about certain people that I really wanted to connect with just to talk about it. it wasn't like I wasn't there was no ask right right there wasn't and the gentleman looked at me and he said well Chris I know so and so oh, <laughs> and yeah. I go and I go and it clicked I go of course you do yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. it's like yeah. again that was because we were just really engaging in a conversation yeah. you know and it wasn't it wasn't like I was it, I, my mind was nowhere in right. the fact of can you do the do this right. for me yeah yeah it's always nice when someone offers rather than you're having to ask and um and again we usually do that's why it's like you know with that 
situation with that actor at the New Year's Eve party. It's just, we, we could tell just by the way this guy was talking that it was all about him. And it's like, you know, it's, this, did he earn the right? Yeah, you know, did he deserve it? Um, and it was like, you know, we could have done him a favor anyway, but we just decided not to. But uh, those are choices we make too. But usually in most cases, we are generous. And I would say, I would look for that, you know, when you're talking to someone, is there a way you can help this person? Can you connect them to someone? Can you give them advice? I'm very big on, you know, because I've read all these books. Hey, have you read this book? Have you read, here's a copy of this article. Sometimes someone will, it's almost to a fault. Sometimes like, someone will say, hey, Todd, do you have an article on this? Because I need some help. And instead, if I don't, I'll spend an hour researching it and then sending to the person. But it's amazing how many times I've done that and the person just hasn't even said thanks. And I'll say like a week later, oh, did you get that article I sent you? Did you get a chance to read it? It's like, oh yeah, I got it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. And it's like, you asked me for something. I spent an hour doing it on my own time. So well, I kind of do it. I benefit too because I learned something. It's like, oh, that's an interesting question. Like one of my clients is doing wants me to coach people about how to get them to stop. A lot of his people, when they present to him, say um and ah uh, 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 a lot, right? So it's like, right. um, so Chris, um, yeah, I was thinking, um, and it's like, so I started researching techniques for how to eliminate saying um when you're speaking. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So to reveal the answer, it's basically pause and take a breath. So instead of where you would say um out loud, you could say um inside your head, but just slow it down so and pause for a second and take a breath. and. When we're speaking, it seems like that pause is like this long silence, but it really isn't. It just gives you a chance to, I know I talk way too fast. In fact, I keep a snail shell on my desk that my wife gave me. It's a, to remind me to slow down to a little snail's pace, but never, never works, but I try. Oh, well, we get excited, right? It's yeah. just like the yeah. pulse of your heart moving up when you get excited. You yeah, when you're passionate. You, that, yeah. Yeah, so much to say, so little time. And the, but one of the things that, that when we were talking before, um, I'm a big fan of Dale, the work of Dale Carnegie and his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And one of the things that he said, and this relates to some of the things we're talking about, is he said that something that we say to someone, we may forget two seconds later or two minutes later, but those words may stay with that person for the rest of their life. Right? right. And think about all the times that I've said something to a student, or just a throwaway comment or someone, and they come back years later and say, just like I did with Mr. Patterson and, or Joe Amarantano, at, at, uh, who helped me launch my training career, those little acts of kindness or the little things that someone say, both positive and negative. A positive thing will stay with you forever, but so will a negative thing. So, so like there's some negative comments. So it's just like a throwaway thing that a boss or someone said, but it sticks you like a knife and then you remember it years later. So I think that's another thing too. We need to really be conscious, especially if we're in an authority position, like as a manager boss, um, the words that we say are magnified by the person or, or a spouse, significant other or friend. So we really need to think about how this will be taken and processed and uh, how it's going to linger with this person for potentially many years to come. Yeah, you know, I wanted to step back when you were saying about, you know, you, you do a favor for somebody and then they don't even um, acknowledge it. You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that that individual doesn't understand the power of gratitude and how good it is for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's good for both of you. But bottom line is he, he asked you, you were very generous with your time. And then he doesn't give the, he doesn't at least acknowledge it. And bottom line is you're not going to do that for him again. And, and that's going to happen to his entire life with people because yeah. people don't, if you can't, simplistically let people know you appreciate them and it's so simple and it's good for both of you you know it's yeah. just very unfortunately individual i guess was never taught that or just somehow never learned it right yeah it's just it's just basic politeness there's a yeah. quote as you were talking i was thinking there's a quote from shakespeare's uh, play king lear where the king lear says because his he gives away his 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 uh property to his three daughters and one of them doesn't appreciate it for 
reasons I won't go into, but he says, the quote is, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child, mm. right? So it's like, just picture that metaphor, so a serpent's tooth, picture how sharp that is and how biting it is to be a parent and to have a child who doesn't appreciate what you're doing for them. Now, King Lear happened to have been crazy and his daughter was in the right for not being appreciative because <laughs> he, wanted, he, he wanted, you know, tell me how much you love me and I'll give you a bigger plot of land, right? So he was using right. it to manipulate but that quote resonates, you know, just uh, it does hurt when you do something for someone uh, like being bitten by a snake uh, when someone doesn't appreciate what you've done for them, especially if you give up yourself, your time, your effort, your uh, intellectual property, whatever it is. Um, it's just people just want to feel acknowledged and, and appreciated. That's for sure. You're right. They do. And what do you what do you think are some of the roadblocks that stop people from, you know, realizing being grateful like what do you what do you think what do you think some of those are yeah i think one we mentioned earlier is just um unrealistic expectations you expect too much from people so when they don't deliver to the level one of the things that i say in my book and i say all the time people are not mind readers right if you say you should have asked or you should have offered you should you know people everyone's in their own world dealing with stress and everything else sometimes people overlook something whatever so if we expect on a scale of one to ten a ten and someone only does something that you consider a seven we're going to be disappointed if we expected a four and we got a seven it's like wow that was great right so i think a lot of it is reframing our expectations and realizing everyone's dealing with stuff and um i think that's a big thing if we can reframe our ex lower expectations um another one I mentioned before appreciating the small stuff and really acknowledging the little things that matter um some others just uh you know I think being generous with no expectation of return, I think that helps too. If you always expect, hey, I did this person this favor and they didn't do me a favor yet. So it's just, just put it out there. So I think those are just a few of the things that um, the roadblocks, how we can, you know, a roadblock is a metaphor, right? So you, right. If, you, if you knock down that, that roadblock, then it opens up, you know, the road ahead. So that's what I would say. Those are some of the things that will open up the road ahead is if we eliminate some of those things that, and they're all mental, right? They're all things in our own mind. They're, pre, they're conceived and they're within our power to, those roadblocks are not physical, they're mental. So we can just as easily, we put them up, we could take them down. That's true. And, you know, appreciating the small things when somebody's out there looking, I, thinking, you know, I'm going to be grateful when something happens or I need this. Again, it comes back to what we were saying, like, I need this to be this. Right. Where if they could just, you know, you just realize you got a lot going for you already. Uh, you know, allow, yeah. allow, that allow that moment just to have that moment with that. Then you can get back to chasing the, you know, the dragon or whatever. Yeah. But we all got so many things. If you're living in America, I mean, you're, you know, if you got running water, you got a roof over your head, you got a bed, yeah. you, got, you got electricity, you know, these, these things that we have, food. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of little things that are real big things that almost everybody in this country has. Yeah, it's, it's like real life example. If you say, you know, it's really annoying to have to wear this mask when I go outside. Would you rather have the mask on or would you rather be in a hospital bed with a ventilator down your in your throat, right? It's like, if those are your two options, it's like, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. So What's yes, yeah. I'd rather not, not have a mask than have a mask, but I would much rather wear a mask than be in a vent, on a ventilator, right? So again, you have to deal with the realities of the situation right now. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, bot, I mean, what you're saying, but, but bottom line is like, whatever it is, it's not that big of a deal in the scheme of things. Yeah. Like yeah. things things could always always be a lot things could always be a lot worse <laughs> yeah very few things are life and death even though we make them seem that way and it's like literally if, you, and if you've dealt and i know that you have um with your parents and everything and i have as well and you know 
life and death is life and death, right? Very other things are if you have that sense of perspective. And I think some of it comes with the wisdom of experience. I think when you're younger, it's like you just have unrealistic expectations. And it's great to have high hopes and everything, but I think it's as you get older, you get wiser, hopefully. Uh, and you realize what's important and what's not. And those little things that you used to get annoyed about. I still get annoyed. We all have our pet peeves, right? But it's like, do you magnify it and make it, or do you just let it go? Uh, real life example, this woman reached out to me. I think, I don't know if you saw it on, I posted on Facebook. This woman reached out to me to be on our podcast. And I was great. I looked her up and it's legit and everything else. And I fill out all the pre-work stuff, the information. You get down to the bottom and it says, we charge a $300 fee for just to cover our administrative costs. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's like talking about bait and switch right there. Her credibility right. shot, you know, shot down. It's like, you know, those are the types of things. It's like what you lost by doing that, because now I promoted it all over the place. I didn't mention her name, but I just said, what do you think about this? Yeah. Um, um, but that's the kind of thing. It's like, is that the reputation that you want to have in the market? Because it's like, we're a global community now. It's like, is that what you want to be known for? Is trying to get $300 out of someone? Are you trying to have a podcast? You know, get, you need money, get sponsorship or find other ways. Or tell people up front. There's nothing yeah, wrong right, to doing right. that. If you tell someone up front, right. this is what I do. But don't bury that in the fine print at the bottom. Right. It's like, that's what, I think that's the issue. Because then you question the person's integrity and, uh, one of the things I talk about is when you lose someone's trust, that's it. Once you plant the seed of doubt in their mind, um, you've lost it. And so she just blew that whole relationship right there. If she had just said up front, I charge $300, then I would have had the option to pass or play before I invested all that time and effort into it. Yeah, I did. I did see that on the, the post. Yeah, I totally yeah. was like, wow, that's a. Uh... That's quite a story. That would be, <laughs> I did like how you were pointing out, you know, you, you understood, understood, obviously there's no, no point in throwing any energy at her because what's the, what's that going to do for either one of you? And the, yeah. you know, just, it, I, your story makes me think of, you know, basically when things happen and we want to react, it comes down to is three. Okay. So, you know, if somebody you don't know somehow does something and upsets you right. how long are you gonna let them steal your day you know this yeah. is a complete stranger this person doesn't know you how much energy are you going to take out of this moment and be be angry about somebody that means absolutely nothing to you yeah, yeah. you know um which is obviously a hard thing to do but the more we think about it the more we can <laughs> it took me a very long time to learn that lesson my friend it's just so uh, you know I, I used to carry that with me, you know, you want to get revenge or you want to prove a lesson or you want to, you sit down at the keyboard and you start slamming away, you know, to respond and you realize, you know, you're not going to change their mind. You're not going to, it's like, is that worth your time and energy? It's just Marshall Goldsmith, um, who actually endorsed my book. He's one of the top executive coaches in the world. His, one of his mantras, he has a very Zen Buddhist approach. It's like, let it go. Just take a breath and let it go. Cause it's like, you know, you can get into a flame war with someone about politics or whatever on social media. It's like, what's the point? You know, you're not going to change their mind. You can get into an argument. It's right. like, is that worth my time and effort that I could be spending doing something more productive? And it's a, you know, you learn that over time. There's a, and also, you know, we hammer out an email and we hit send and it's out there. And all of a sudden, a lot of times we wish we could take it back like a second later. And that's one of the sayings, the, uh, that a nanosecond is one of the fastest units of time, but even faster than that is an ono second, the time between <laughs> we are doing something and saying, oh no, I can't believe I just did that. So watch out for those things that an ono second later, you may regret. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh no, second later. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, no, I, I was either Del, it was either Del Carnegie or Brian Tracy. I just remember, you know, people are. Uh, I love this this metaphor of uh, 
you know, tell, tells a story of in the morning, somebody goes out and they, ki they, they kick the cat and the cat screeches and the, this car. And it's these little, these little things that happened yeah. at the end of the day. The only reason this person's upset, it has, has nothing to do with the cat, but everything to do with the cat. And then they're, they're yeah. dumping on you, which has no. So the only reason you're getting yelled at in the middle of the street is because somebody kicked a cat. Yeah. And, yeah. and, that, and I feel like, uh, you know. A whole domino getting, effect. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's her, yeah. So it's just like with this lady you're talking about, you know, obviously that has nothing to do with you, but she did waste your time and that upsets you. And obviously you should be upset, but 99% yeah. um, of the time with strangers, it's like how long, how much energy do we want to, yeah. you know, give our power up to a stranger? You know, obviously yeah, exactly. our power should be given up if it needs to be to like people we love, we know. Yeah. We're and we, also, we all also have our emotional triggers. And one of mine is integrity. Uh, Cause that was a big value in my household. My father, you know, was a person, I have millions, millions of stories about my father. Uh, having integrity to almost to a fault, but I don't like you know people who lie or deceive, and I especially don't like people who uh, who are bullies and take advantage of people. No, I wasn't bullied in this case, but yeah. that's why my my sensitivity to bullying bosses is so much, bullying parents, bullying kids, because I was bullied growing up. Even though I was taller than a lot of the other kids, I was like you know the nerd with the braces and the acne and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, when you've been bullied and you know what it's like, you become very sensitive. So anytime someone does something that has a hit, that, that bit of bullying to it, that's what sets me off. It's because it's such a okay. raw emotion. So that's where I could potentially react emotionally, but I, that's where I need to kind of have that social and you know, emotional intelligence to hit the pause button and, and pause and take a breath and say, all right, not react emotionally because it is such a, a sore subject. Um, again, having had, you know, experience that so much over the course of my life. And, you know, one of the reasons my mission is to help make the world a better place one leader at a time is because by helping people become better managers and leaders, they will hopefully, that will cascade downward instead of the negativity of bad bosses and, and tyrannical leaders. That's wonderful, man. Yeah. And it's, it's so great that you've analyzed that enough. So at least, you know, I think it's so, it's so important just it's not that everybody can change what they're doing, but just the knowledge of, right? Just yeah. knowing this is what's going on or this is the trigger or knowing. So, uh, you know, yeah. the beginning of the beginning of learning, right? The, the wisdom that comes with maturity, if you're lucky. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in closing here, are there any suggestions you could uh, give to our listeners to help them incorporate gratitude into their daily lives? Could you give them a couple of things maybe you do or just some suggestions? Yeah, this, I mean, again, there's simple things. It's like appreciate the little things, have realistic expectations, especially with people. Especially, another, there's, a, there's a phrase I picked up last year that I love. Um, it's called, um, uh, oh, uh, a, API, assume positive intent, right? If someone does something to you or says something, you can either be offended and get angry and magnify it, or you can assume positive intent, meaning that either the person didn't mean it or they said it the wrong way or they were insensitive in the moment, right? If you have a good, like sometimes my wife and I will say something to each other just for whatever reason that could be hurtful to the other person. Mm. But if you know the other person loves you, cares about you, trusts you, and sometimes you say something the wrong way or for the wrong reason or the wrong time or you lash out in frustration about something else, if you assume positive intent and give the person the benefit of the doubt, then you could fix it. Like there are times that my wife and I, you know, so let's say you were in a fight or whatever. You could say, you know, what, we're going to make up eventually. So let's just get it over with now. No sense torturing each other for, you know, losing a night's sleep and torturing each other for the next few days, silent treatment or whatever. It's like, if you've been there, you know what that's like. It's horrible. Let's just make up now, get it over with, and then move on with our lives. Right. So, um, you know, when you're, when you're single and you're dating, it could be, all right, cause it's, you know, are we going to break up over this? Is this the end of the relationship? But when you're married, 
you're married and your your lives and you don't want you want to be with this person for the rest of your life. So mm. if you start with that, what's going to help us get to this point quicker or sooner, right? So I love that phrase, assume positive intent. And that could, but again, you have to have a track record of of you have to have the trust, you have to have the mutual respect, all that kind of stuff. Um, and also look for trends and patterns. If something happens just once, things happen. If something happens twice, that's a red flag. Three times, now you have a pattern. Now you need to kind of look at it. And that's with, you know, someone can make a comment that could be seen as racially insensitive or, you know, critical, you know, just, you know, something like that. It's like, is this a common theme or did this person say something just so, just really stupid? Right, just decided right. to do something really stupid, but is that who they are as a person? And it's up to you. That's personal choice. If you give someone a pass, or if you say, you know what, let's we need to talk about this and fix it. But that's what I would say. If you assume positive intent and build trust, then again, the world will be a kinder place, and we won't be as that. The world is so adversarial right now, right? There's so much tension and and conflict, and it's like it's stressful and it's exhausting. So it's like you know, figure out a way to to get along, and one way to do that is to kind of be grateful for the relationships, for the grateful that that person is in your life and then say, all right, this is worth fixing. This is worth this relationship or this friendship or business relationship. Let's talk about it and figure out a way to get back on track. That's beautiful, man. That's, yeah, just uh, appreciating the people that are there and realizing that you may be misreading the situation, that it's not, uh, not everything's an attack. You, may, you yeah. know, obviously you don't know what's going on and obviously people feel different. So just keep that in mind when you mm -hmm. ever, you're with anybody is a really healthy way to look at uh, any, any interaction, I guess. Yeah. You know, people are complex and the world is complex and we need to, you know, not dumb it down, but try to simplify complexity and say, you know, let's just, you know, we're all people, right? We're all like, right. you know, dealing with the pandemic, dealing with economic crisis, dealing with social unrest, you know, let's all come together and like, figure out a solution instead of, battling over, you know, again, the little things instead of battling over the method of which way is better realizing like, for example, I'm a big baseball fan, right? I could bond with someone because, you know, I could have a conflict with someone cause I'm a Yankee fan and they're a Red Sox fan, or we could bond over the fact that we're both baseball fans. Right. Right. Find, right. Right. Do, right. Do you divide over the differences or do you come together over the commonality? That's a choice that only you can make. Exactly. I love it. That's really beautiful. I think that's a really great, uh, way to close out here. Well, if people, obviously your book is on uh, Amazon, right? Is that, that's where you would, most people would find your book. Yeah, Amazon, then... Barnes, anywhere you buy books, it's, it's pretty much out there. So yeah. Okay. And where, uh, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. The single best way is uh, just link in with me. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I'm the only Todd churches out there, C-H-E-R-C-H-E-S. So just link in with me and I'll be glad to be connected. And my new website just launched two weeks ago. So toddchurches.com. My company is called bigbluegumball.com. I still have that for my corporate training, but to learn more about me and my book and to see my Ted talk, you can just go to toddchurches.com, sign up for my email list, um, subscribe. And that way you'll stay in touch when I do webinars and speaking engagements and things like that. Well, that's wonderful. And I'll, I'll have it all in the show notes. And uh, Todd, thanks for coming on uh, Gratitude Space Radio today. And I'm Chris telling everybody just to stay grateful. Thank you, Chris. I'm grateful for you having me. Thank you. Thank you. This is an open call to anyone that has a gratitude story or practice that they'd like to share. Just email me at the address hello at gratitudespace.com. That link will be in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us. You can look at this as a way of showing me a little gratitude. Just a friendly suggestion. Thank you for tuning in to Gratitude Space Radio, and we're out.